Hi, and welcome back to Miss Macintosh, my darling. The oops, wait. Oh, wait a second. Sorry, technical difficulties. Okay. Hello, welcome back to Miss Macintosh, my darling. The commentary. We are on chapter twenty-nine. Character list, Joachim Spitzer, Perone Spitzer, Catherine Cartwheel, and Vera Cartwheel. Remember, even though it sounds like the Mr. Spitzer and Catherine, Miss McIntosh, all the other characters are talking, Vera Cartwheel is the narrator. She's always the one, uh, she's the omniscient narrator for the whole story. It, it's told through her. Synopsis, Mr. Spitzer relives his butterfly and moth memories. More is learned about his brother Perone and their relationship. Mr. Spitzer shares his philosophy and overwhelming sadness at the loss of his brother. Mr. Spitzer ponders the philosophical question, Ship of Theseus, applied to his socks. Vera is still narrating the story and offers a couple of comments about Mr. Spitzer and her mother, Catherine. Paragraph 1. Mr. Spitzer believed that it was difficult to tell the difference between a moth and a butterfly, just as it might at times be difficult to distinguish between brother and brother or between the ecstasy of happiness and that of sorrow. Seldom did happiness and sorrow occur in pure and disrelated states, happiness being so often tinctured by sorrow because of the fear that happiness should be only temporal, having its end, sorrow being tinctured by that happiness which came from the knowledge that sorrow might endure. Butterflies and moths are considered symbols of the soul. In Europe, they are symbols of the dead or the newly dead. In Jacobite symbolism, they are rebirth and renewal or the return of the soul. Two, Mr. Spitzer does recognize these real differences between butterflies and moths. Butterflies are generally active during the day and are brightly colored. Moths are generally active at night and have more muted colors. Peregrinations are a long or meandering journey. Trumpets of Jericho refers to Joshua 6, 127 in the Bible. The walls of Jericho fell after the Israelites marched around the walls, city walls once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day and blew their trumpets. Luna moths are found in North America and Canada and are commonly known as giant silk moths. Butterflies and moths migrate on all continents except Antarctica. They do not like water or mountains, but butterflies have been found across an ocean from where they are normally found, and scientists do not know exactly how. According to the Greek, the butterfly was psyche, the word which signified the human soul or mind or mental life, the human spirit. Mr. Spitzer believed butterflies were wanderers seeking reunion with immortal love, and that is why they were found so far, of course. He also believed that there were nautical butterflies that were spotted often by ships so that these oceanic migrations were intentional, not merely the result of accident or chance. Three, Mr. Spitzer describes a caterpillar making its cocoon, thereby achieving immortality within the logic of mortality. Mr. Spitzer found the most hidden moments had been revealed to him, often when he was in agony of spirit or when he was most melancholy and withdrawn, when he seemed numb, dumb, dead, or sleeping. Four, Mr. Spitzer was proud of his brilliant butterflies. Unctuous is excessively or ingratiatingly flattering. He had an enviable butterfly collection. He compares his collection to his embalmed memories or his fleeting, flashing, mercurial memories of that life which was no more. The fugitive thoughts old Joachim had tried to stay, the scintillations of the undying dream when it was already dead, the images of the vanished moments moving through his clouded and opaque brain, the lost perceptions which were never lost and which returned just when he had forgotten all other temporal thoughts. Five, Mr. Spitzer remembers some of his beautiful butterflies. Golden copper is a small butterfly found in Greece and Asia Minor. White admiral butterfly is found in North America and is studied for its evolution of mimicry where the butterfly evolves to resemble another organism. 
Mr. Spitzer continues to describe butterflies with one that has wings marked by horizontal bars and spots like opalescent moons, moons of his silent music written on his shirt cuffs or black-bordered white handkerchief which he had worn in his breast pocket over his heart ever since his brother's death. 6. Mr. Spitzer notes that butterfly children, unlike human children, were identical to their dead parents, images of the future life which repeated the ineffable past in every feature. 7. Mr. Spitzer compares the old caterpillar sleeping like the infant Moses in his cradle among the bulrushes by a dark stream. Would he not beget his future life? Mr. Spitzer describes his walks where he could see butterflies. In winter, he saw a morning cloak butterfly from North America. It lives 11 to 12 months. The meadow brown butterfly is found in Europe, Asia, and North Africa. Mr. Spitzer watched butterflies for growth. He had observed that a butterfly grew no larger after it was born, and neither did it seem to age, and its colors faded not. Even though butterflies were vulnerable to many forms of death, Mr. Spitzer believed they were the most perfect symbol of immortality, each being the image, the perfect image of himself, a being woven in his sleep. Such a being of perfection as doubtless a poor human could never be, never in this life and never in the next, which was, he believed, improbable not to be depended on, for we saw ourselves die while yet we lived. 8. Mr. Spitzer remembers all the butterflies he used to collect as if he had actually traveled to all these places in the world. Essex and Lulworth skipper are European butterflies. Chalkhill blue butterflies are found in Eurasia and North Africa. Orange tips are found in Europe and Asia. Large browns, large wall brown butterfly, are found in Europe and Asia Minor. Bath whites are found in Europe. Pale veined marble butterflies, marble white butterfly, are found in Western North America. Pale clouded yellows are found in Europe and Asia. Purple hair streaks, great purple or blue hair streak, are in the southern U.S. and Central America. Black hair streaks are found in Europe and the Far East. White mountain butterflies are only found in the presidential zone of the White Mountain National Forest in North America and are famous for their multi-generational... Oh, no, no. Sorry. I got distracted by a hummingbird. Okay. Let's see. White mountain butterflies are only found in the presidential zone of the White Mountain National Forest in New Hampshire. Arctic satyrs, Nabokov satyrs, are found in North America. Monarchs are found in North America and are famous for their multi-generational long migration from the north to the south, including into Mexico. Mr. Spitzer says their lives were extremely hazardous and that in his various wanderings he has seen butterflies of every imaginable color and hue and gradation. Red-spotted purples is another name for the admiral butterfly. Aaron's breastplate, priestly breastplate, was a sacred breastplate worn by the high priest of the Israelites. Yes, crooked. There's a little kitty in there. Yes, do you see him? Yes, you can't play with him. No, he's an inside cat, you're an outside cat. Japheth is one of the three sons of Noah in the book of Genesis. Joseph's coat of many colors is from Genesis 37.3, where his father gave him a coat of many colors. 9. Yet butterflies were colorless, the colors being the effects not of pigmentation, but of the illusion of lights shattered on the gleaming mirror scales. Butterflies have two ways to display the color of their wings, ordinary and structural. The ordinary color comes from normal chemical pigments that absorb certain wavelengths of light and reflect colors. Structural color stems from the specific structure of the butterfly's wings and explains why some of the butterfly's colors seem to shift and appear so intense. It happens when light passes through a transparent, multi-layered surface and is reflected more than once. The multiple reflections compound one another and intensify colors. 10. Mr. Spitzer described the male butterflies as being perfumed, having feathery scent patches or discs upon their wings, 
So they left a trail of perfume even in distant clouds, each being its own little scent bottle and perfume atomizer emitting sweet scent, but the female was scentless. Both male and female butterflies use pheromones to communicate during the breeding cycle. Mr. Spitzer describes the scent of many flowers, including his own eau de cologne. <laughs> You're just being cute. Silly. Um, eau de cologne, which was a mixture of many somnolent flowers. Somnolent means sleepy or drowsy. He claimed to be able to still smell the butterfly perfume, or what he sensed now was probably the perfume of his thoughts. He swore that he could smell his thoughts. 11. Mr. Spitzer's not sure if they are his thoughts or his dead brothers. He thought it might not matter. When the heavenly harmonies were established on a sure foundation, not moving like waves, when conflicts were resolved at every level of thought, then he was when he was divested of desire. To Buddhists, desire is the craving for worldly pleasure, material objects, and mortality. Since all of these things can never be attained, they only lead to suffering. He questions how he would even know when this happens and doubts anyone would know because it must remain unknown. His life beyond the grave, beyond the sphere of our human experience, with all its limitations and unsolvable mysteries and doubts. Those doubts which might themselves compromise a kind of faith. 12. Mr. Spitzer believed that he was logical and his brother illogical. He also calls Perone spiritually unimaginative. Mr. Spitzer understands that Perone's reasonings and motives must remain forever unknown. Mr. Spitzer had only seen occasional moments of quixotic generosity which others had attributed to his brother. Quixotic is exceedingly idealistic, unrealistic, and impractical. Perone had little use for his brother unless it was to help him out of an entanglement, a fugitive relationship which might have embarrassed him and some of his other designs. We are full of pep today. Sorry, my outdoor cat is just jumping around. Usually, ah, oh, you're going to sleep now. Okay. Usually he's just sleeping. Um, so this kind of has the same, remember we were talking about the triangulation between Catherine Joaquin Spitzer and Prone Spitzer. So again, if Prone Spitzer is the worldly man, then he has no use for Joaquin. He has no use for the spiritual or the soul, because unless it's to get him out of a relationship that he might be embarrassed about. Or, you know, when you're like asking forgiveness, like something happens and you're like, oh my gosh, if, if this one thing changes, you know. Okay, uh, 13. Mr. Spitzer had acted as his brother's reluctant go-between and several times had even pretended to be Perone when his brother had wished to rid himself of a difficulty or to break off a seemingly meaningless relationship. Joaquin believed Perone would always have turned a deaf ear if he needed help. There was no recipro reciprocation, no return for something done or given. Joaquin believed Perone would have shown not a spark of gratitude, not even after so many years. He had been one of those persons for whom it had been all but impossible to acknowledge generosity or indebtedness. He had airily dismissed Joaquin from his mind when a purpose had been served. Even though they were identical twins, they had been very different. Perone had been the greater mystery, and death had enhanced his mystery. Joaquin did not claim to know everything about himself, but he knew even less about Perone. Even so, Mr. Spitzer was always trying to learn more of the remarkable fellow. 14. Mm -hmm. Mr. Spitzer supposes that Perone, beyond all the externals of chance and circumstance, was more like Joaquin than anyone realized. For Joaquim, no one had ever tried to unwind the silken threads of his thoughts, the tangled schemes. Perone, through his, this brief dance with life, had been so varied and changeable with so many fragile coats. Perone was so many patches and pieces and transformations, and being like that mortal moment, which was the one immortality dying as we watched. Though he had sought for greater freedom in another life to shuffle off these mortal coils, he enjoyed no afterlife now except through Mr. Spitzer's literal-minded and mournful memory of him. 
Even when, even then, Perone would only live on as long as Mr. Spitzer was alive. Mr. Spitzer compares this to the poor butterfly dying each evening on the lip of the evening rose. Fifteen, Mr. Spitzer's sympathies were great. His memories of Perone and butterflies were surely as beautiful as figments of the absolute, beautiful as the fictitious and multiform persons who the split splendors of my mother's toxic dreams were like the quality of her essential evasiveness, her inability or unwillingness to look directly at the anonymous face of life. Catherine was visited by all these imagined people, and she believed and insisted she was both living and dead, this animated and bejeweled corpse to be the creature of mystical metamorphosis of many transfigurations and conversions. So there are three characters representing different types of metamorphosis. Mr. Spitzer is the living yet dead because of his grief for his brother. Perone is the dead and only lives on through those that remember him. Catherine, who believes she is the living and the dead and inhabits both worlds. 16. Mr. Spitzer finds it surprising that... And what was else was I going to say? I thought of something. But I think this will happen as we get into Mr. Spitzer's story later. I can't remember. Okay, came to me and then I forgot it. 16. Mr. Spitzer finds it surprising that though our other knowledge failed to answer to his summons, this phenomenal butterfly knowledge had grown and increased, even though he had not put any effort into it. He knew the life of the luminous butterfly and its many invulnerable expressions better than his brother Perone. For Mr. Spitzer, these butterfly memories, rather than expiring, had shown such durability that these transitory and mutable things should seem immutable and lasting and protracted and prolonged. Mr. Spitzer feels, since butterflies are vanishing and melting into inferior nothingness, fleeting and fugitive and short-lived and perishable as human life, they should have been like his poor brother's life. 17. Mr. Spitzer repeats a rumor in the whispering butterfly circles how a butterfly has eyes on its wings. Someone, maybe while he was dying, had looked upon a butterfly with a peculiar intensity of rapturous and undying vision, leaving the impressions of his eyes. Argus Panoptis was a many-eyed giant in Greek mythology who watched over a heifer nymph, Io. I spot mimicry and butterflies is thought to have evolved in order for them to evade predators. 18. Mr. Spitzer ponders where the first butterflies came from. He thinks he is a man who distinguished not between the reality and the dream. He feels the nameless dead should still be known and recognized even when they had suffered the last transfiguration. The evolution of butterflies occurred about 40 to 50 million years ago. 19. To Mr. Spitzer, butterflies were the created effects and not the fountainhead. Mr. Spitzer had not found the face of God and not found the location of immutable paradise. Happy Isles is a small group of islands in the Merced River in Yosemite National Park, California. Fortunate Isles, or Isles of the Blessed, are semi-legendary islands in the Atlantic Ocean in Greek mythology. Aldebaran is a giant star in the constellation of Taurus. Venus is the second planet from the sun. Garden of the Hesperides is Hera's orchard where the golden apples grow. The third heaven in, Jeru the third heaven in Judaism, Islam, and Church of the Latter-day Saints in early Christianity. I managed to spell something wrong. is a division of heaven in religious cosmology as either the abode of God or a lower level of paradise, one of seven. The seventh heaven is one of the seven heavens found in various religions, religious and mythological cosmologies. Valhalla in Norse mythology is the majestic hall located in Asgard and ruled by Odin. Nirvana is a concept in Indian religions that is a state of perfect quietude, freedom, highest happiness, liberation from worldly attachment, suffering, and an end to existence. The Happy Hunting Grounds is a concept of the afterlife attributed to North Americans in the U.S. and was most likely made up by U.S. settlers.
20, Mr. Spitzer contemplates God. God was not God in, him, in himself. Mr. Spitzer believed, but in these pitiful images of God, these images which were but phantoms fading on the air, clouds driven by the whirlwind. God did everything. Yet what was God, a being of so many forms, so many names, that he should seem as none? God was described by many names. He was a king of light, opposed, Mr. Spitzer believed, by the necessary king of darkness. For if there were no darkness, then there should be no conception of light. So he's talking about... He's talking about the history of what God is named and what heaven is named and how man has come up with all of these definitions of it and how can he be all of these different things. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So this comes up later with Mr. Spitzer, but I think it's, I, I remembered it, so I'm going to mention it now. Um, he comes up later with like this, this idea of God. So like, what is God? And if he's not himself, how can God be all of these images, but yet be the same God um, and have all these images and we can have all these different definitions of him. And he also comes up with the kind of the impossibility that we expect God to be omniscient and uh, omnipresent and um, know everything and know even that which was which is not created like to know everything that was created and know everything that was not created and to keep track of everything and how is something not lost and he really continues on and on about that um, how it, it's kind of impossible and how can anybody hope to do that 21 mr spitzer had even encountered in catherine's bedroom many other gods the god of the sun the goddess of the moon the judge of the dead the busy clerk of the underworld the goddess with the head of a cat the goddess of wisdom the jackal god who is the conductor of the dead vera comments my mother would spend hours years talking to someone who is not there the god of the sun may refer to a solar deity which is a sky deity who represents the sun or an aspect of it such deities and sun worship can be found throughout most of recorded history in various forms. The goddess of the moon may refer to a lunar deity and sometimes as a personification. These deities can have a variety of functions and traditions depending upon the culture, but they are often related. Some form of moon worship can be found in most ancient religions. The judge of the dead may refer to Minos, Radamanthus, and Asakas, who in Greek mythology are the judges of the dead. They judge the deeds of the deceased and created the laws that govern the underworld. Young uses many references to Greek mythology, which is why I kind of chose that one. There's the famous judges in Egypt, but there's like 42 of them, and she just used Judge of the Dead as one, so I'm not sure. The busy clerk of the under... And it could re also refer in Christianity to, to God or Jesus being the, the judge at the end of the world. The final judge at the end of the world. And as in Christianity, God is the judge of the dead. The busy clerk of the underworld may refer to Hades in Greek mythology. The goddess of the, with the head of a cat may refer to Bastet, who is a goddess of ancient Egyptian religion, worshipped as early as the Second Dynasty. In ancient Greek religion, she was known as Ailuros. The goddess of wisdom may refer to Athena from Greek mythology. The jackal god may refer to Anubis, who is the god of death, mummification, embalming, the afterlife, cemeteries, tombs, and the underworld in ancient Egyptian religion. 22. Mr. Spitzer thinks again about where the first butterfly came from, which much like which came first, the chicken or the egg. It's a wider conversation about what came before God and where does man come from. Argo in Greek mythology was a ship built with the help of the gods which Jason the Argonaut sailed to find the Golden Fleece. Magellan, for Ferdinand, was a Portuguese explorer. Juno was an ancient Roman goddess. Mr. Spitzer says the finest butterfly authors were as abysmally ignorant as himself about the origins of the butterfly. 
Mr. Spitzer longed for a rational explanation, but instead was continually confronted by a butterfly mystery like that of his soul. Apocryphal is a story or statement that is probably false, but is widely circulated as being true. Mr. Spitzer hears a rumor that the first butterflies had originated not at all upon this planet. This hypothesis is called panspermia by Anaxagoras in ancient Greece. Life exists throughout the universe and is deposited by comets, meteors, space dust, etc. 23. Mr. Spitzer speculates the butterflies had wandered and fallen from the void heavens to the earth when the earth was still barren and void like a demented woman in her imaginary labor pains, only dreaming that she lived, or their creation was sporadic like something in an erroneous dream, like the note of falsehood which gives significance to truth. That lie which illuminates the surrounding darkness and all of nature had been this dream for which there was and had been and would be no substance but this dream. There would be no awakening, or perhaps everything was the devious imitation of everything. 24. Mr. Spitzer looks as if he is talking in his sleep as he is thinking about all this. Indeed, there was much uncertainty, and there were many possible explanations of that which could not be explained. 25. Mr. Spitzer ponders about the length of a butterfly's life. Maybe they lived it longer than humans. Mr. Spitzer compares it to one bird should sing for a thousand years. Swamp sparrows, scientists believe, have sung the same song for thousands of years. So it may refer to that. I better put that. Or maybe butterflies had never been more than a mesmeric day or moment, and time's extension was another aspect of the dream, the dream of an hour. 26. Mr. Spitzer continues to contemplate the first butterflies and their size and how they roamed from pole to shining pole. Butterflies are found on every continent except in Antarctica. Current butterflies, current butterflies would be pygmies and were there diminuendos. Even as in music, there is a diminuendo passage or effect which melts into the aftermath of a charged silence seeming to be the music going on and on until it fades, seeming to be the illusion of music. Diminuendo means a decrease in sound. 27. Mr. Spitzer thinks perhaps only the delicate things, perhaps only the small things endured when the great things were gone, even as our thoughts which outlive the thinker and his thoughts. Mr. Spitzer claims butterflies could be entombed in icebergs. Butterflies could be entombed in icicles, yet awakened in the spring. Some species of adult butterflies do hibernate through the winter. He then goes on to name cataclysmic events that have survived through millions of years. Oh, he then goes on to name cataclysmic events they, butterflies, have survived through millions of years. He then comments on their migration. Mr. Spitzer concludes they had come down through the long corridors of time, or perhaps they were only this vague cloud of perfume, like Mr. Spitzer's thoughts which wandered on the trembling air. 28. Mr. Spitzer acknowledges he would look ridiculous chasing butterflies now. Why should he pursue ephemera now when he had outlived himself or his brother in the first impressions of his haunted youth, the faded colors of his thoughts, the orbits of his actual interests? Ephemera are things that exist or are enjoyed for only a short period of time. 29. Mr. Spitzer often contemplates questions like this, and Perron used to laugh at him. 30. Mr. Spitzer now chases butterflies in his dreams. Indeed, why should there be an ascertainable reality, an outside world? 31. Mr. Spitzer says only his silent music and his memories of his recurring butterflies consoled him now for his brother's early death and for his continuing life. He also has his great original disappointment, his failure to win the object of his love. And the object of his love is Catherine. 
32, Catherine did not see or hear Mr. Spitzer. She wondered why should he come each evening only among the dead? Why should he not come among the living too? Or why must he come in an intermediate stage between life and death like that stage of life which follows death? 33, Mr. Spitzer contemplates how butterflies hear with no ears. He believed they could hear through their antenna. Scientists has Science has found membranes on some butterfly wings that allow it to hear. They hear a great many sounds never heard by human ears, perhaps even the thunder in the heart of the rose. He claims to have made many tests on butterflies to see if they could hear. Mr. Spit 1234. Mr. Spitzer contemplates this world as a dark night of the human soul and a specter of the sad world, filled with specter butterfly and other creatures and things. Specter is a ghost or something that is feared as a possible unpleasant or dangerous occurrence. Dark Night of the Soul is a poem written by a Spanish Christian mystic, St. John of the Cross. Dark Night in Roman Catholic spirituality describes a spiritual crisis in the journey toward union with God. 35. Mr. Spitzer in this world of ghosts, the only confirmation was a madman's dream, and he was this poor ghost of himself, even as he would have been if he had had no brother. If he had been born alone, doubtless he would have felt the same great sense of overwhelming loneliness. His problems in all probability would have been the same and identical to these, problems which were, though they were his tendency toward madness and also its source, his only orientation and the renewal of his life, his weary spirit. 36. Mr. Spitzer believed he was the bipart soul, though whether already divided from himself or about to be divided, he could not say with certainty. The general notion of duality doubling the divided self from the doppelganger or psychology of the bipartite, bipartite? I, I don't know, soul was first stated by Aristotle as a split between the rational and irrational human virtues. Mr. Spitzer also wonders how should his brother be self-contained, and who was his dead brother now? Mr. Spitzer's problems were an unnecessary exaggeration, and yet they were this life's necessity to him. So I think... I think here we probably have our answer about what Catherine Mr. Spitzer and Joachim Spitzer and Perone Spitzer... Uh, signify. Um, so I still think with Catherine in living in both the worlds of, in, in claiming that she lives in, in both the worlds of the living and the dead, of what's created and what's not created, that she knows everything. Um, but yet I, we're also told to temper that because when people die, she still wonders where they are and why they haven't come to visit. So her family members have died. Uh, Cousin Hannah is going to be coming up also. We're going to I forgot there's a big chunk of Mr. Spitzer with Cousin Hannah. So we'll look at that more closely, too. Um, but um, it's basically watching Cousin Hannah die. Um, and finding out a, a, the mystery around her. So I think here, since, uh, since Mr. Spitzer's saying, I believe in the bipart soul and that uh, dualism, Descartes', Descartes dualism, influenced Jung. And this idea that man is split into two beings. You have the soul, which, Mr. which Joachim Spitzer uh, signifies is that he's the soul, he's the part that yearns for God. That's why he is, his, he wants to, that's his great love is Catherine, who is a kind of like a godlike figure. Um, whereas you have Perone, who's worldly. He's just concerned with the worldly. And so the idea that, that the worldly person has killed themselves in order for the soul to take over but in this case, Mr. Spitzer is, uh, Joaquin Spitzer is in, just enveloped in grief at losing this part of himself um, and, and involving himself in only the silent music, only the spiritual, 
only the soul. So, yeah, and he wonders, how can you be self-contained? How can I lose a part of myself? In dualism, how can I lose this part of myself but yet still remain whole? So I think this paragraph 36 kind of probably probably in some another read through but I think she probably answers it young probably answers it here 37 Mr. Spitzer's butterfly memories were just as important as Catherine's illusions sometimes they made him feel that he was not really dead that he lived through others even as his dead brother lived through him so Mr. Spitzer also and it's very poignant Mr. Spitzer also talks about his overwhelming grief his overwhelming loneliness and just that loneliness and he really as as we spend more and more time with him contemplates this this end this end of everything like when you die you die especially like Perone okay so Perone can live but Perone can only live through his memories and since he never acquired his love he never passed on he never had any children because this passing on of children this having of children comes up again with Esther Longtree so because you have these kids, you, 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 so you don't have these children and you don't pass on your line through patriarchy or through matriarchy, in a, through patriarchy in Mr. Spitzer's case and through matriarchy in Esther's place. Um, you don't pass on this line and, and therefore you're gone. You, you are gone. You are dead. There is, and then anybody you remembered, if there's no one left to remember them, then they're dead. Like everything is truly gone. And that is just very, and it's, it's heartbreaking for him and to live with this loneliness. And it is. I mean, I mean everybody comes to that age, I guess, where they do that. Uh, where you think about that, your mortality, and what that means. And especially if you don't have a large family or any family um, uh, to continue with. So, yeah, that was good. But, I mean, it's, it, it comes up more and more. But this is where we start getting the first taste of it. 38. Catherine waxes on about all manner of beds. Char Charlemagne or Charles the Great, Charles I, was king of the Franks, king of the Lombards, and emperor of the Romans. Catherine the Great was empress regent of Russia, regent of Russia, the country's longest ruling female leader. Cleopatra was queen of the Ptolemaic kingdom of Egypt. Martin Luther was a German professor of theology, priest, author, composer, former Augustian monk, and seminal figure in the Protestant Reformation. Napoleon Bonaparte was a French military and political leader during the French Revolution. Or perhaps my mother heard the furniture talking as old fashioned, an old-fashioned fashioned duchess, Sofa, talking to a circle of empty tapestry chairs. 39. Mr. Spitzer was too greatly discouraged by too much competition, and his butterfly knowledge grew even during a few hours, seeming to evoke a world. 40. Mr. Spitzer knew butterflies of every region and of both hemispheres, and Young list them, just in case we aren't sure. <laughs> Antipodes, we question that at all. Antipode islands are inhospitable and uninhabited volcanic islands in sub-Antarctic waters in the south of New Zealand. Elysium, Elysium Fields, is the Greek religious and philosophical concept of an afterlife. Mr. Spitzer claims to know butterflies and moths of other stars. Urania Solanus was a moth from Jamaica, last seen in 1895. Ornithoptera paradisia, paradise birdwing, is found in New Guinea. Saturnia pyri, giant peacock moth, is native to Europe. No reference found for eyeless whites. Green hair streaks are small butterflies found in Europe and Asia. Mr. Spitzer knows all the butterflies, the mountain ranges. Himalayas, the Alps, the Andes, and Mount Olympus. Uh, on the, because I didn't find 
so when you see the names that Young uses, when you search for them, those those are like their what do they call them? Like they're not their scientific names. So usually that's how I would be able to cross reference it is that I would use their nickname and then it would lead to their scientific name and then they would uh, they would say there's some very and there was variation. So I'm just assuming that that's the one she was talking about because there's a little bit of a uh, there's there's a word change every now and then. But for the most part, they seem to match up. Um, the only thing, the eyeless whites, I could not find a, a butterfly for, for that at all. Or any kind of, any kind of animal. Mr. Spitzer knows, oh, he knows all the mountain ranges. Mr. Spitzer describes Homeric butterflies, which were like persons who had passed through many unknown forms of being. Many forgotten periods of enchantment, periods of metamorphic sleep. Persons who did not awaken as the same persons they were when they went to bed, for they had changed their forms in sleep. Butterflies kept them awake with their trembling like candle flames in the ceaseless wind of memory. Io Vanessa, or the old peacock's eye, Agliace Io, is a colorful butterfly found in Europe and Asia. The butterfly Aphrodite, Aphrodite fritillary, is a fritillary butterfly in North America. The twelve-spotted butterfly Apollo, Mountain Apollo, is found in mountains in Europe. Butterflies fashioned by Morpheus may refer to the large checkered skipper butterfly found in Europe and Asia. Sybil is a female prophet or oracle in ancient Greece. Icarus in Greek mythology attempted to escape Crete with wings made of feathers and wax. He flew too close to the sun, which melted the wax. Water nymph, is an, in an, water nymph in ancient Greek folklore is a minor female nature deity. Phaeton was the son of Helios in Greek mythology. Centaur is a creature from Greek mythology with the upper body of a human and lower body and legs of a horse. Lido Venus is a moth in South Africa. Atticus Atlas is a large moth found in forests in Asia. Paraseline is a bright moon-like spot on a lunar halo. Hecuba was a queen in Greek mythology who had 19 children. Euphemia is a Christian saint martyred for her faith. Ebule, Sakuna, Sagrina are names. Ebule means queen in Nigeria. Sakuna means bloom or cherry blossoms in Japanese. Sugrina is a popular surname in Indonesia. Theria was a genus of moths. Papilio Memnon is a large butterfly native to southern Asia. Papilio Antimachus is an African butterfly. Papilio homeris is the largest butterfly species in the Western Hemisphere. Mr. Spitzer describes butterflies and moths from all over the world and says butterflies like ourselves spinning out of ourselves who were these caterpillar spinners and these voyagers. And there's a lot, I mean, obviously if you've read at all, you know there's, they t attach a lot of um, significance to butterflies emerging from their cocoons. He doesn't really say, or she, Young, doesn't really say anything much about that that kind of transformation from the cocoon into a butterfly she concentrates if I can remember right I don't remember any reference to the cocoon it's mostly of butterflies and they're and they emerge fully formed um, uh, there's no growing up they're identical to their parents so it's, it's a kind of a different take um, I might have to look at this because this um, persons who did not awaken as the same persons they were when they went to bed for they had changed their forms in sleep. That seems like it should refer to something, but I don't know off the top of my head. So I might have to look into that phrase a little bit more. So yeah, so not only books mentioned, poems mentioned, butterflies, you know, butterflies, things, uh, uh, animals, insects, things mentioned. Um... It'll be really interesting when we get to Mr. Spitzer and the passenger pigeon. 
and their extinction? Um, what would Young make of now with the attempts by scientists through DNA to recreate uh, species that ha have become extinct? So that's interesting. So we'll, lo we'll, we'll look at that and that's a real interesting take on it. Um, but also uh, the uh, folklore mentioned, which I haven't even begun. I know Young had said something, so I, I do try to include any kind of folklore stories, uh, any kind of, uh, especially nursery rhymes, because in an interview Young said, nursery rhymes were packed with meaning and people don't know the history of them. Um, if they, you know, if they really knew how dark some of these nursery rhymes are and what they reference, uh, that they would be surprised because they just don't know the history of it. So I did try to include, so that's why I do try and include anything that I can find if it sounds like it comes from folklore or, uh, uh, nursery rhyme or even an old song. Um, that's mentioned, those are mentioned in the, in the book as well. So I don't think I've organized that very well. I know the books and poems I'm going to try and organize in a part, but I haven't really looked at the folklore. I haven't really tried to pull out folklore or the folk songs or the nursery rhymes. I haven't really tried to pull those out. I guess I might have to. They're in there, <laughs> trust me. So not to mention, oh my gosh, and then you have all those philosophical questions that she brings up, like the ship of Theseus. So there's that philosophical question. Um, and others, uh, she was, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, her, uh, I'm going to say the wrong name, it's a Greek philosopher, All a lot of Greek, there's a lot of Greek mythology and philosophy in there, um, it, it's the one, it's the, fa he's most famous for saying that, that the same, the same man cannot say, cannot step into the same river twice, because of the changing of the river and also the changing of the man. So uh, that's what he's famous for saying. She mentions that as well. So there's a list of philosophical questions she puts in the book. It's a lot. <laughs> the, more, the more you look, the more you find. <laughs> 41. Mr. Spitzer has watched the hatching of butterflies and moths and wonders and asked for himself, should he be at the end of life as he had been at the beginning, changing so much that he should scarcely be recognized. Okay, so sorry. I just said she doesn't mention Cocoon, but here she goes. She does mention the, the hatching of butterflies and moths out of cocoons or from caterpillars. Or when should he come to the last infernal circle of this divine comedy of life and death? Divine Comedy is a long Italian narrative poem by Dante Alighieri. It depicts the afterlife according to the Western church medieval worldview of the time. Like Pilgrim's Progress, it is a journey from sin to heaven. 42. When Mr. Spitzer felt depressed, Confused, divided, overwhelmed, he held to the one lifeline, his phantasmal butterflies. These thoughts and memories surprised him even now as if they had come from another life, another and forgotten source. So butterflies are not only like, symbolically they're used for souls, but he even uh, attaches, they're also memories. To Mr. Spitzer, they are also his memories. Were they his butterflies glowing in his cavernous mind? Did they belong to nobody? Should possession be significant in this realm? Stygian refers to the river Styx of the underworld in Greek mythology. 43. Mr. Spitzer wonders about the soul and how it is defined its limitations and its boundaries. He wondered if he could have two souls in him because of his dead brother. Maybe the, there were even three or countless souls. Should one soul be at the same time among both the living and the dead or a voyager between two worlds? So, he ha so he's wondering, what happens to the soul? 
How should he know which soul was living and which was dead? Who could truthfully say that he was in possession of his own body, that of a new tenant that had, that of a new tenant had not taken o had not taken over an old empty house? So how do you know that the soul returns to the same body after you go to sleep? How do you know the same soul inhabits the same body? And that question is brought up a lot, and Mr. Spitzer feels that he can only be assured by his memories. So Mr. Spitzer was only assured by his memories that he was, in fact, w the same soul waking up in the same body. Yet, as he go progresses in the story, he questions all of that again. And he decides he is not the same soul in the same body. And then we're, that's why we're brought back to the circle of who is the Mr. Spitzer? Is it Joaquim or Perone? 44. Mr. Spitzer preferred privacy similar to a hermit. However, he was always surprised by new reflections and intuitions. He thinks of himself as having mental brilliance, which others had denied. 45. Mr. Spitzer gives examples of by remembering the clear wing aurora, which may refer to a butterfly found in Mexico and South America. Also, Croesus, which may refer to one or two different butterflies found in South America and Indonesia. 46. Mr. Spitzer remembered as if he had been seen... If he had seen... Mr. Spitzer remembered as if he had seen them only yesterday out of the tremblings of his thoughts. 47. Vera thought Mr. Spitzer's butterflies were as beautiful as anything my mother dreamed, perhaps exceeding her wildest dream of enchantment. Vera wonders how out of the, cre how out of the heart of darkness could evolve this creation sudden as thought. It was a triumph of night over death. Heart of Darkness is a novella by Polish-English novelist Joseph Conrad. The novel is widely regarded as a critique of European colonial rule in Africa, whilst also examining the themes of dynamics, uh, uh, themes of power dynamics and mortality. I'll change that. <sighs> so that's another book that I found, novella that I found that was that's referenced in here. 48. Vera asks if it matters what the source is for these memories illusions, for should not the results be judged by their own merits? Should not one idea be surrounded by many associations? Vera seems to be equating these memories as another form of the opium-induced dream world of her mother, Catherine. So Vera steps in and thinks that even though Mr. Spitzer's butterflies are grounded in reality, their butterflies really do exist. He's studied the real butterflies that exist in the in the world but they're they're also his dreams because he doesn't they're his dreams his memory memories he equates them to the soul and his his only way of being sure about himself are these memories and vera wonders if these memories aren't are are they are they real are they just like the dreams of her mother who's under the influence of drugs so she questions, and, and they say the most valuable thing uh, in humans is your memory. Like, your memories are not, they're real to you. You believe they're real. You remember them, but they may not coincide with how anybody else saw it. Um, and, and, they, and I have seen this where, like, we have, especially, like, with colors, um, they don't exist in real life. They approximate something in our brain fills in the gaps, and then we all as humans collectively hallucinate the same color. <laughs> There's a really good uh, post my uh, kid shared with me about that, that I thought it was written really well, uh, tongue in cheek, but yeah, it was like, I mean, I, I'm, I know I'm simplifying it a whole lot, but it's like 
the color yellow or the color magenta, like they don't exist. And us as human beings are just having a collective hallucination that that is what that color is. It doesn't actually exist in reality. So I might have to insert that here, this theory of color, because I think that kind of illustrates what Vera's struggling with. So, yeah, I think I'll look that up and see if I can add that here. Um, that since the brain or, or drugs are all the source of these memories and hallucinations or illusions, then how true are they? And they, yeah. Uh, uh, okay. 49. Mr. Spitzer claims to know butterflies as well as Catherine knows her dreams and illusions. Through butterflies, which are considered a symbol for the souls of the living and dead, then he knew in subtle ways butterflies which have been known by all the dead, by all of broken lives, butterflies of resurrection, butterflies of other selves, which should be only when we, are, we were dead, when we had spun ourselves out, out of this mortal life, butterflies which he had known ever since that day had been called away from his silent music to the morgue to claim his brother's body. All of this reminds him of his brother and that it is an extension of life, though for purposes he did not know. Even though Mr. Spitzer looked so much like his brother that few had realized this death for the coffin had been sealed and no one had looked upon his dead brother's shattered face. 50. Mr. Spitzer was left alone to grieve through this long winter of hibernation, this which seemed so much like death to wait for that spring which, like promises deferred, might never come. Prone did not live to remember Joaquin growing old and fat with the tremulous memories of his vanished loves, his vanquished hopes, his heirs of deathless thoughts. Yeah, we could, and it kind of brings into, it kind of, if you follow the Christian narrative of this, it brings into, um, you know, you have to have this second life in Jesus. You have to die in order to live again, to be reborn. So it could be kind of a question of all of that as well. 51. Mr. Spitzer claims to be a composer of funeral music, that music which his brother has always said, had been too fine, too beautiful for human ears. Apparently Prone had explicit preferences if he could have expressed himself, so there was no classical music played at his funeral. Instead, there was a heterogeneous crowd of the merriest mourners who ever were. There were many people of ill repute or from the wrong side of town, such persons as his brother had associated with for various purposes unknown to Joaquin. He sometimes thought now only to embarrass the haughty aristocrat. Mr. Spitzer couldn't understand their conversations, and he felt as if he were in a very noisy graveyard, listening to the conversations of the dead. Everyone there had thought Mr. Spitzer's self-containment and self-control, the serenity of his grief, had been almost supernatural, something strange and marvelous to behold. Mr. Spitzer admits he had been utterly devastated, shattered by a grief which should have been recognizable, visible to the eyes of the blind, if not to the eyes of those who saw, a grief which he believed had surpassed in its magnitude the occasion, great as the occasion had been for him. Few or none had sensed his grief. This is the same way in how Vera, this, in the same way as how Vera felt when she learned the truth about Miss Macintosh, and that no one understood her grief. Fifty-two. Apparently, an old lamplighter saw his grief, and it matched his own. The old lamplighter said of Mr. Spitzer's late departed brother, "He will never light another lamp." Lamplighter is a person employed to light and maintain cable or gas street lights. Very few exist today. Also, you'll find out that. Uh, uh, there's a lot of references to, uh, it sounds like to God, to me, it seems like to God, there's a lot of references of an old profession or a great profession. So the great composer, the old composer, the old lamplighter, the great lamplighter, and it seems to be a reference to God, like the candle maker, the one who creates. 53, let's see, goodness. 
Are we going to? Yeah, okay, we're going to finish. Ooh, okay, not if I don't read fast. Okay, <laughs> I have to put this, put this in two small ones. Um, 53, yet to Mr. Spitzer's surprise, the lamps still were lit one by one down a dark street where the old lamp ladder moved like Jacob in his ladder of dreams reaching to the clouds, which to Mr. Spitzer showed the brevity of human memory. Jacob's ladder is a ladder leading to heaven that was featured in a dream the biblical patriarch Jacob had during his flight flight from his brother Esau in the book of Genesis 28. The significance of the dream has been debated, but most interpretations agree that it identified Jacob with the obligations and inheritance of the people chosen by God, as understood in Abrahamic religions. 54. Mr. Spitzer dwelled on his brother's funeral, perhaps more often than was good for him. Details became blurred. Sometimes he thought he saw two of everything when he knew that even one face was problematical, though it should be his own. Mr. Spitzer believes he went into a state of coma after his brother's death, where everything seemed blurred, dimmed, or clouded over. This had resulted in this heavy, sluggish habit of mind, this lack of vividness in his responses, even as if his natural faculties were permanently benumbed. He missed immediate impressions and ideas and emotions he might once have understood with that diplomatic grace, that tactful air which had been his, he having been noted always for an atmosphere of evasiveness which had made all things, all kinds of things possible. He had sunk into a state of sleep which was, he now believed, the similitude of death, his twin, its twin brother. 55. Mr. Spitzer says he had suffered this great wound of death and yet he had suffered more this wound of life. He blames his demon accuracy that kept him awake. How could one life endure this double life that he should stay in one place, weaving these nocturnal dreams of death and birth, yet wander far and wide, or as he sometimes suspected, oscillate between limitations to fixed points? Why should butterflies, which should have been meaningless to him in the void inane, still be meaningful to him, along with so many buried hopes, so many exhausted feelings, which he still must feel, even in retrospect? 56. Mr. Spitzer remembers all the butterflies, considering his loss of memory. Transcendental butterflies could refer to the butterfly curve, which is a transcendental plane curve discovered by Temple H. Fay. The veined leaf green is a butterfly found in Europe and Asia. The milky midnight blue is found in tropical Mexico, Central and South America. Mr. Spitzer claims to know all known butterflies and some which were unknown even to him. Diomedes Dudorix is a butterfly found in Africa. Tortoise shell butterflies are found in northern. Hello. Now those colors, that's not hummingbird feeder. The red one is the hummingbird feeder. <laughs> you don't like my hummingbird feeder anymore, do you? Um, uh, the black vein, the black veined marble. Whites was a large butterfly in Europe. Lapwing is a ground-nesting bird found in Europe. Tropic of Cancer, Northern Tropic is the most northerly circle of latitude on Earth. The Tropic of Capricorn, Southern Tropic, is a circle of latitude closest to the equator. Aurora Borealis is Northern Lights. Aurora Australis is the Southern Lights. The Emerald Papilio palinurus butterfly is found in Southeast Asia. The Amethyst may refer to the Purple Emperor butterfly found in Europe and Asia. There was no reference for the Coxcomb Red, but there are several specimens of red butterflies. Voyager butterflies, voyagers who are subjective voyages between two stars or poles. The red admiral is a butterfly found on five continents. The white admiral is a butterfly found in North America. Mr. Spitzer has repeated the same butterflies in different paragraphs and chapters. Margaret Young used a lot of repetition and answered in an interview that the repetition was necessary for the story. 
The checkered skipper is a butterfly found in the U.S. The silver-spotted skipper is a butterfly found in North America. The grizzled and dingy skippers are butterflies found in Europe and Asia. The graylings is a butterfly found in Europe. Adonis blues butterflies are found in Europe and Asia. Wood whites butterflies are found in Europe. Mr. Spitzer says there are butterflies with Latin messages written on their wings. Io on one wing and Io on the other wing as if they knew they had two souls. Io was one of the mortal lovers of Zeus in Greek mythology. Cabbage white butterflies are found in Europe and North America. The painted lady is a butterfly found in North America. Swallowtail butterflies are found mostly in tropical regions, but are found on every continent except Antarctica. Mr. Spitzer says that butterflies were crowding through his mind in empty hours, which perhaps could have been no better employed at his age, his stage of life. Young is describing a hyperfixation where a person is completely engrossed by something to the point where it becomes all-consuming and disrupts day-to-day -day functioning. It gets hard to focus on anything other than the object of hyperfixation. With hyperfixation, pa passion can turn into obsession. The object of interest takes up so much time it comes at the cost of personal well-being, relationships, and responsibilities. It could even be a symptom of an underlying mental health condition. And I was thinking of something else that's listed in here, like we're talking about categories of catalogs of books, poems, uh, animals, uh, folklore, nursery rhymes. Uh, the other thing are uh, love stories. So Io and Zeus, and then she mentions a lot of other love stories because someone has paintings of them. I want to say it's in the tavern at the end of the book. But throughout, there's these different um, Tristan and Isolde. There's these... Ow! Mosquito got me. Um, there are these different stories, uh, love stories mentioned, tra tragic love stories mentioned throughout the book. Okay. Three more paragraphs. Mr. Spitzer, when he was younger and his brother was still alive, indulged in what he had believed to be the harmless hobby of knitting fine socks for himself and his careless brother. Just like collecting butterflies, he felt that to knit now would be to make himself quite ridiculous. Joaquin believes he seemed ridiculous in Perron's eyes, and he could not endure his teasing. Because of this, he wore the old socks mended and patched over and over again, even to that extent that he had lately begun to wonder, as there had been so many holes, so many darns and patches, were these new socks or old he wore? What Mr. Spitzer calls the ghostly confirmation of his old sock still retained the shape of his foot, and yet it seemed to him that technically he might be considered to be wearing, made of so many darns and patches, covering so many holes, new socks, so that he would be when the la so that he would be when the last original thread had disappeared. Such new socks would be, of course, quite fragile, easily unraveling. Mr. Spitzer has applied the philosophical question of the ship of Theseus to his socks. Ship of Theseus is a thought experiment that questions if an object that has had all of its components replaced remains fundamentally the same object. There have been three proposed solutions. There is no identity over time, four-dimensionalism, and according to cognitive science, it is an example of extreme externalism, the assumption that what is true in our minds is true in the world. In philosophy of mind, the ship is replaced by a person who has ident whose identity, over time, is called into question. 58. Mr. Spitzer expands the analogy, analogy to his coat, and all the dogs of creation would bark at him, nipping at his heels. Bindle stiff as a hobo, or one who carries his clothes or bedding in a bundle. 59. Mr. Spitzer wonders what would happen to the regal butterflies, and should he ever forget them, though they be pecked away by birds and storms. He insists he knows all nomenclatures and symbolic wings, heraldries, and signs and orders. Queen butterflies are found in North and South America. King butterfly is another name for a monarch butterfly. Cardinal butterflies are found in Europe and Asia. 
Mr. Spitzer believes the butterflies are saying high mass among the evening flowers mass for the dead self or cells. He also swears their chant is almost Gregorian or something even older, perhaps it was Arabic. And yet he was this dark atheist, this believer in nothing, in no one. For who, as he might ask, could speak with greater authority than he of the life beyond the grave, and who knew less of this present life? Gregorian chant is a form of monophonic, unaccompanied sacred music in Latin of the Roman Catholic Church. In the end, Mr. Spitzer considers himself an atheist. A negative atheist is someone who does not believe in the existence of deities, but does not explicitly assert that there are none. Mr. Spitzer's knowledge of butterflies mirrors Mrs. McIntosh's memorization of facts. And that is it. i got to get off of here. I'm going to run out of time. They're kicking me off. All right. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Bye.